You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1119 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. Today's episode of Lots on Hawks podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. McDonald's has always been more just a place to get tasty and affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Today's podcast will break down what became a 110 to 99 win for the Hawks at home over the Celtics on this Wednesday evening. A very nice effort overall from the Hawks to improve to 7-9 on the season. They've now won three games in a row, and they are 6-1 at home, which is obviously in direct contrast to their 1-8 road record. But lots of positives on this night. A huge first half by Kevin Herter to sort of jumpstart the offense. The Hawks led for the vast majority of this game, including a pretty comfortable lead in the second half. Um, The third quarter was excellent on offense, led by Collins and Bogdanovich. Um, Cam Reddish had a nice night, uh, probably his best game of the season in my opinion, off the bench for the Hawks. Uh, just a nice balance overall effort, and honestly, the game was never really in doubt in the fourth quarter. Even with the Hawks kind of stalling out on offense, the Celtics never really made a run, and it was a comfortable win that allowed for some garbage time in the final minute plus. So, as always, we'll dive into what transpired in the game, but uh, sort of a broad strokes here. Uh, the Hawks played well and won very nicely and sort of took care of business in this spot. Coming into the night, there was some question about whether the starting wings would play. Uh, both Bogdanovich with his ankle and Herter with his hamstring were questionable coming in. Um, McMillan said Herter actually had a, a hamstring thing that was actually improving by shoot-around today. Obviously, he looked just fine. Both guys played well in this game, so uh, that's a positive sign, but uh, at least it was uh, you know up for debate until the final minutes before tip-off whether those guys were actually going to play in this spot. Boston, it is worth noting, was not at full strength, as we talked about a lot on last night's podcast, previewing this game. Uh, no Jalen Brown, obviously one of their top two players. He was out of the lineup and has been out of the lineup for a little while there for Boston. And then Robert Williams, their starting center, is obviously, I think, a pretty good player, pretty underrated player at this point in time, missed this game as well. So they were without two of their top five or six guys on their roster. And uh, also I would say that you know Boston has been – a bottom-tier offense this season, which I think we saw part, part, part of that today in this game, particularly without Brown and Williams. Um, our friends at Battle Line made the Hawks four-point favorites in the morning um, and actually went up to five by tip-off with guys you know, with the injury stuff, the guys who ended up playing for the Hawks and Williams not playing for the, for the Celtics. So the Hawks won and covered. They were supposed to win this game at home. I think the Hawks are better than the Celtics even at full strength. So not at full strength, playing in your own building on regular rest is a game that you're supposed to win, and the Hawks went out and did that, obviously. So we'll dive in now to sort of the nuts and bolts of this contest. Boston came out flying, actually. They scored nine points in their first five possessions, and given that they had been struggling on offense, that was not the greatest start in the world. But the Hawks did score a lot in their own right. Um, other than one settle by Trey against a switch against Grant Williams, it was some great process from the Hawks offensively at the outset. I thought the tempo and the ball movement were really crisp in this game overall, particularly at the beginning of the contest. And the Hawks had their one of their biggest runs of the night, actually, a 14 to two run to go from uh, to go from tied to uh, sorry to go from down one to up 11 in short order. Kevin Herter made his first four shots, including three threes, to cap that spurt off. 
And through, through six minutes of this game, Herter has as many points um, with 11 as the entire Celtics roster did. So Herter had that, obviously that strong start in this game. There was a response from Boston, an 8-0 run after a timeout that uh, actually prompted McMillan to call a timeout of his own. And then after the timeout, the Hawks had a shot clock violation, and that's kind of one of those things where you don't want to see that after a break. But aside from that, it was kind of stable and pretty productive early on for Atlanta. Herter had another three, his fifth shot in a row, actually made his first five shots overall in this contest. Um, rotationally, they went to Gallinari and Cam Reddish as the first subs. No surprise there. They did not, though, take out Trey Young early in either half. Uh, you may remember if you watched the games on Sunday and Monday that McMillan sort of tweaked the rotation to take Trey out earlier, I would say much earlier in the first and third quarters, and for a small period of time, then they had him come back in. That worked pretty well to sort of reset things, but in this game, they went kind of back to their traditional rotation in a lot of ways, with Trey playing most of the third, most of the first, etc. Um, they went to um, Lou Williams and DeLon Wright together very, very late at the end of both quarters, and uh, Cam Reddish I thought was pretty good early on, which I wanted to make, make sure that I mentioned. It was an 8-1 run by the Celtics, though, late in the first quarter, so... You know, the Hawks had their one huge run at breaking things open, but Boston had two runs along the way in the first. It was an 8-1 run again to cut the lead down from 8-1 to one at the end of the first quarter. I thought offensively the Hawks were very good at the outset. Other than the turnovers, they actually had five turnovers leading to 10 points for Boston directly that kind of bit them in that opening period. But Herter had 14 points. That was the highest scoring first quarter of Kevin Herter's career, which is uh, worth pointing out. Obviously, they hit five threes in the uh, quarter. Four of those were Herter and a strong offensive effort overall. Defensively, it was probably the Hawks' worst quarter of the night in this game. It wasn't terrible, but Boston, uh, I thought it felt like the Hawks should have been up by more than one point, and usually that that can kind of happen where you're sort of, I don't know, lamenting that later on, but it didn't end up biting the Hawks, obviously, in this game. Um, In the second, it was back and forth at the outset. There was a nice finish by Cam Reddish in the half court. I thought he played very well in that stint and kind of overall in this game. Um, there was a funny possession for Gallinari, and I mean funny in a good way, in which he got the ball in the, on the high post against Romeo Langford, who's, you know, like 6'5-ish um, as a former lottery pick on the wing. Um, he made a couple of, like, kind of mild fakes, not really effective, and then just decided, oh, I actually have this huge uh, size advantage over Romeo Langford. He basically stood, he basically shot a standstill jump shot over his arms. And it was like he wasn't even standing there. It's one of those moments that you have to kind of chuckle because Gallinari is a massive human being at 6'10", and he has that length and shoots the ball high off off of his uh, stroke. And uh, that was one of those times where it's like, oh yeah, I remember this. I can just shoot this and he can't block it, which is kind of funny to see. Um, they they sort of stayed without Trey for a long time. As I mentioned before, it was kind of their standard rotation in a lot of ways. But he sat like seven minutes almost in the first period in, in the middle of it. And... Other than having Capella with the bench, it was kind of that traditional run for the Hawks. Um, Boston cut down to one late in the first half with about four minutes to go. The Trey took over for a little bit, had two fantastic drives and finishes to put the Hawks back in front. It was a 9-0 run overall late in the period to have the Hawks go back, back up by 12. Um, Boston didn't score for about three minutes, which was obviously helpful in the midst of, the, of that building of the run. Um, other than a Mario West-like stint from TLC as a bench player, for like one possession defensively. Nothing else really to note in the first half. The Hawks led by nine at the break offensively. They were very, very good. About a 120 offensive rating in the first half. Herder was the only guy in double digits until the final minute when Trey got there to join him. But he had 19 points on eight shots in the first in the first half. Obviously fantastic. 
Um, Herter was quieter after halftime in this game, but um, it is worth pointing out that Herter actually had his second highest scoring game of the season despite not scoring in the second half. Um, so it kind of tells you where he's been in some respects, but he played very well in this game. Uh, and that actually tied his career best for a first half ever. The Hawks shot very well. Other than from three, Herter was good, obviously, but the rest of the team was one of 12 from three in the first half. Um, nine turnovers is obviously too many and uh, had some possession issues, but overall overall was a very good first half offensively. Defensively, they buckled down a little bit in the second quarter, holding the Celtics to 35% shooting. That's obviously a positive because the Hawks, in the second alone, they were one of eight from three on offense and still won the quarter by eight points. Normally, when you shoot one of eight from three in a quarter, you're not going to win it decisively, but that happened because of the defense. And uh, I will say, Boston's offense was shaky at times. They get basically no pressure at all on the rim. Look at their roster, and the Hawks have this as well, but obviously they have Trey to kind of engineer their offense. They don't have anybody on their roster right now. Even Jason Tatum's not really a guy that gets to the rim a ton, um, and that kind of cut the pressure off the Hawks in this game defensively. They played well executed well and went into the locker room up by nine points in a game in which they weren't even playing like their absolute A-plus game before halftime. And uh, that was probably a good sign for what was to come. And obviously they won this game comfortably. But we'll get into more of the details from the second half and beyond. Before we do that, a word from our sponsors on the show today. And the first of which is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and much more in terms of props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% on your first deposit with BetOnline.ag if you use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus. For basketball, football, baseball, postseason stuff, NHL, boxing, UFC, tennis, golf, favorite casino games, and much, much more. Do not wait to take advantage of any of the amazing offers available to you this season because everything that you could want and much, much more is at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. After halftime for the Hawks, it was kind of a slow start on both sides of the floor, but in short order it picked up after a couple minutes of that kind of ugliness on both sides. Um, Boston actually scored in their first five possessions. Um... After that little hiccup, um, five straight possessions to make it a four-point game, the Hawks had four turnovers in the first five and a half minutes. They were kind of scuffling a little bit, and that was the one time in the second half they were actually threatened was right out of the gate. But Bogdanovich had a huge stretch. He actually made three threes in about a two-minute period to put the lead up back to 10. And other than that, other than Herter, I should say, in the first half, nobody could make a three until then, so it was good to see them sort of break out. And Bogdanovich, I would say this was shades of last year when he got really, really hot late in the season. The third one of those threes was about a 30-footer with huge confidence and uh, obviously a nice sign for him. And that barrage, again, gave the Hawks a double-digit lead. They went to Gallinari and Reddish after a timeout by Boston. Cam, I thought, played very well after halftime uh, in this game. He had a catch-and-shoot three, had a strip on Richardson, had another steal, and then a, a nice pass to John Collins. Um, later, by the way, <laughs> Collins had this circus finish that he made, as he is wont to do, um, and was absolutely furious about this no-call. On replay, it looked like Dennis Schroeder definitely shoved him, and Collins went flying, and uh, they didn't really see this on TV, but in, in the building you could see Collins was absolutely incensed on the floor, like to the point where, you know, you don't see him. Obviously, he talks a lot. Um, to kind of ch- He's always talking the entire game, actually. He's just kind of a high-energy guy, but he was furious, and I think rightly so, and certainly it's kind of, it's kind of a dangerous play as well. But uh, anyway, we're going to at least note that. They went to DeLon, Wright, and Lou Williams again late in the quarter. Trey played the first 10-plus minutes of the third again, which is, again, very similar to earlier in the season, but not similar to the last couple of games. 
And then they actually went to Gorgie Jane late in the third. He did not play at all in the first half. It was a cut-down rotation uh, before halftime. No Solomon Hill in this game either, as I thought. He actually might play in this game with Tatum um, as a guy to guard. They actually kind of just went small in general. Um, but Jang played, I think, presumably because Capella had played a ton of minutes at that point in time. It's kind of one of those quick bursts, and they had cancer on the floor. They kind of had, had to play a big, but Jang did his job very well in that little uh, stretch of time. Um, and the Hawks pushed the lead up to 14 at the end of the third. They shot the ball fantastically. They were 12 of 19 from the floor and 7 of 13 from three in the third period with 10 assists in the single quarter. Collins had 11 points on 5 of 5 shooting. Bogey hit those three threes. Just a team effort overall. And through three quarters, the Hawks had about a 128 offensive rating, which is absolutely elite. Um, it dipped from there because the fourth quarter was kind of ugly. But when the game was flowing and they were still kind of in their uh, reg regular mode offensively, they were scoring at a very, very high level against a pretty good defense in Boston. Um, in the fourth, they closed, uh, at least began to close, with Capella plus the bench. Uh, and that's when Cam had his best offensive stretch in terms of just explosiveness and scoring. He had seven points in about three minutes, put the Hawks up by 16 points. They did kind of scuffle from there. They actually went empty on four straight possessions. Boston didn't, like, completely take advantage of that. They tripped away a little bit um, because they had a couple, couple bad turnovers on their own, in their own right. But it was uh, 10 at one point. With about seven minutes to go, they cut it to 10. The Hawks stars were back in the game, but it was a little bit, not wobbly, but the Hawks weren't, like, blowing them out at that point in time. But they went small without Capella. Um, you know, that kind of brought Cam back in for Gallinari after a quick, after quick, quick, quick rest of that. But um, they scored 100 points, at least they got to 100 points with about 650 to go. And the lead stayed at double digits with, except, with the exception of basically one possession. So they go back to Capella with four minutes to go. He sat longer than I would have sat him. I think they would have, I probably should have gone a little bit bigger and more defense heavy at that point in time. But the one risk with bringing him back as late as they did was that they were already in the bonus. And Boston hacked him on the first possession that they could. He split the free throws and then they actually took him out. So it was kind of a brief time for Capella to play in the fourth quarter. Um, they did have some bad possessions offensively. Trey kind of stalled in the fourth quarter. And in general, I will say this. The Hawks, I thought, went to like the pre-bet offense too early in this game. Uh, you know, they only scored, I believe, yeah, 19 points in the fourth quarter. And it wasn't like they were just terrible on offense. Um, can't have that good stretch at the beginning of the quarter, but basically from the last like five minutes, they were kind of in like four corners, spread it out and try to kill clock mode. And yeah, they were winning and ended up working out fine, but they, they kind of just tor torpedoed their efficiency down the stretch. At any rate, Boston hit a three to cut the lead down to nine with about 150 to go, but the Hawks scored in the next possession and Boston pulled the plug pretty quickly. Uh, in fact, it was probably over, but you don't always see NBA teams pull it with... Uh, they were down 11 with about 80 seconds to go, and they pulled their starters. So it was probably over again, but uh, you know that kind of took away any other doubt from the proceedings. And the Hawks closed up shop with what became an 11-point win. So um, a lot to get to there, but still, it was kind of a comfortable margin for most of the second half. There was the one run early from Boston, and once that happened, the Hawks had an awesome offensive quarter in the third. And the fourth was kind of just a, a war of attrition, and the Hawks held on for dear life down the stretch. Offensively, as a full takeaway in this game, uh, a 117-ish offensive rating. Um, it was, like I said before, it was about a 128 through three quarters. So the fourth quarter was definitely uh, lower their efficiency level, but they shot it great in this game. 62% true shooting is uh, pretty much elite. 64% on twos, solid on threes. They took 34 threes in a slow-paced game. That's definitely plenty for this Hawks team. Not over the top, but still very solid. They shot well at the line, 15 of 18. 
They had 28 assists at the moment, was really good. McMillan talked about this after the game, uh, just kind of unprompted about how how much he liked the, the pace and the ball movement. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I thought the ball was moving, the players were moving, uh, even guys who sometimes struggled to sort of stop the ball had the uh, had the flow going in this game. They played very well offensively, with the exception of like the last five minutes. Um, they had 14 turnovers, which is probably more than you would want, but only five after halftime. That's totally fine. Only two in the fourth quarter. That's uh, obviously more than fine. They actually lost the rebounding battle in this game, which is not usually the case when the Hawks win comfortably. They usually do a good job on the glass, but they didn't get killed either. It wasn't like they got torpedoed on the glass. So a small little thing there, but uh, I think in general, against a good defense in Boston, to have a 117 offensive rating and have it you know, be well into the 120s for most most of the game was a very, very solid effort from the Hawks. Defensively, they held Boston to about 104 points per 100 possessions in this game. Boston shot it okay, nothing special. 54% true shooting in the game for the Celtics. That wasn't like it was lagging the world on fire. And again, their offense is like 24th in the league coming in. They don't have a lot of firepower other than Tatum. And, uh, you know, obviously they have some guys who are decent supporting players. Old friend Al Horford as one of them. But um, this is kind of a bad offense. Not a terrible one, but pretty not great. But the Hawks did a good job um, sort of forcing them into some substandard looks. 14 turnovers for Boston is pretty good. Um, creation for the Hawks defensively. That's more than they average in terms of created turnovers in the game. Boston did attempt a lot of threes, 42 three-point attempts, but they weren't of the best quality in this game. I think they kind of forced them into some standstill ones like Tatum, for instance. Um, it's kind of been on a funk this year in general. He shot it well in this game, but he had a couple of spots where he made some really tough, really tough looks. And in general, Boston got nothing from their bench. In fact, Josh Richardson had 11 points off the bench, actually one of his better games in a while. But he was the only player that scored a point off Boston's bench in this game. Aaron Neesmith, scoreless in 11 minutes. Enos Cantor in 14 minutes, scoreless. Romeo Langford, scoreless in 14 minutes. So they played you know, nine guys, real rotation minutes, and only one of them off the bench even scored a point. So that was one of the advantages the Hawks had in this game as well. Um, Again, all, all told, we're going we're to get into the player stuff in a second, but uh, in terms of just the general flow of this game, the Hawks played three very good offensive quarters. They played, I would say, about two and a half good defensive quarters and generally did not have any real blow-ups. There were only one or two like small runs for Boston in this game. And yes, Boston's not this like you know, elite team this year, at least, with, at least without Brown and Williams, but still a, uh, a complete a complete effort is the way I would, I would describe that. It wasn't complete like A+, plus, but it was a solid you know, B-plus, A-minus effort from the Hawks in this game. And that was more than enough to get the win. Before we get into the player stuff in this game, as we always do on the podcast, a word from our sponsors on the show today. All right, and we'll get into the players now before we get out of here on this Wednesday evening into Thursday. And generally, it was a nine-man rotation for the Hawks in this game. TLC played one possession defensively in the the, uh, first half. And Gorgie Jane played about two minutes at the end of the third quarter, and that was it. No garbage time stuff for any of the young guys, and no Solomon Hill in this game. Um, So, yeah, we have nine guys to dive into. Um, The two guys who played the least were DeLon Wright and Lou Williams, who played exactly, I think they were mirrored perfectly in playing together. So it seems like Nate has leaned into those guys playing together. They do fit together pretty well. Um, DeLon, you know, had some interesting moments offensively in this game. Missed at least one bunny. Um, took one of two or three and made one of them. Had four had four rebounds and assists and a steal. Three, three points. He wasn't great on offense, but played good defense in this game. Cut the ball moving in general. Lou, after a pretty good game the other night, wasn't his best. One of five from the floor. Did have three assists, uh, but two, turn, two turnovers for Lou. Um, those guys fit well together, and more, most importantly, the Hawks were able to win the non-Trey minutes. They were plus two without Trey, and that's always a, a team-wide victory 
for this team. Gallinari had 8 points, 4 rebounds in 20 minutes. He was definitely quieter than he was on Monday when he had a pretty good game, but I thought he was just fine in this contest. He's a good matchup in some ways for Boston, and uh, the one possession that he shot over Langford was kind of funny, but I thought Gallo was just kind of rock solid. Nothing uh, nothing too high or too low, but a plus 5 in 20 minutes. And then Cam Reddish was very good, I thought, in this game. Um, I made this note during the game. I got some pushback, but I think I still believe it. I think this is the best game of the season for Cam. Um, and not just because of the scoring. He had 19 points. He had, you know, I would say in October, he scored 15, 18, 20 points a few different times in October. I think he played better in this game overall. Um, there were a couple of forced shots. Um, I can think of one forced step back three right now in my mind. But, um, yeah, he was, he was one of six on threes in the game. But he was seven of eight on twos, which is really encouraging. Um, two two from the free throw line had three steals. He was creating havoc defensively. Had a block. Had an assist. Two rebounds. A couple of nice ball movement plays. Where there was one I noted where he swung it to Bogdanovich. It was an extra pass that was a good one. He missed the shot, so no assist that sh- that sort of shows up there. But I thought the process stuff was good from Cam. He played with it himself. Again, you know, you can live with one or two bad shots. Um, you can. I, I thought he was aggressive in getting to the rim. He was, uh, you know, decisive but not forcing it. That's kind of the happy medium that you have to find with him offensively. On defense, he gambled a lot. There were a couple a couple moments where I thought he had some pretty interesting breakdowns defensively where he was being too aggressive, and that's kind of what you get over Cam. Uh, he's definitely more of a boom-bust defender than a rock-solid guy. He definitely makes plays, and he made plays in this game. Three steals um, is obviously a lot to uh, focus on, plus a block. So, in general, I thought Cam was really good in this game. I don't, I don't think he was perfect by any means, but um, I think all together, both sides of the floor – um, Nate, Nate praised him after the game as well. I think rightly so. So it was a really encouraging night from Cam. He was playing within himself. The passing was better in this game. The shot selection was better. The finishing around the rim was better. Lots of positive things for Cam. Uh, to the starters. Uh, everybody I thought played reasonably well in this contest. Capella only played one minute in the fourth quarter because of the weird rotation and also the hack of stuff. But nine points, 12 rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a block. I think he's just playing better. He's finding himself I would hesitate to declare him like 100% of the guy he was last year, but he's getting much closer than that. I think he's been good now for the last three or four games in a row, and uh, that's huge. You can definitely see the results on that. It's not just Capella, but it's not a coincidence that him playing well has led to the Hawks playing playing well as a team because they've just kind of they've kind of built themselves in a lot of ways around Capella defensively, and that's been effective at least recently. Um, Herter had the giant first half. Nothing after the halftime break in terms of scoring, but I thought he played well overall. 19 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal. He was actually um, asked about his hamstring after the game and gave a relatively positive answer to Sarah Spencer of the AJC. Uh, he said it's coming along, that it might nag him for a few weeks, which is not the greatest thing you want to hear for Herter. But nothing wrong with it is what he was saying. And uh, if you didn't know he was hurt in this game, you probably would not have noticed because he looked fine. But, you know, obviously it's a hamstring thing. You want to be tricky with it. I would say be careful with that because it is tricky with regard to soft tissue injuries. But provided that he responds well to that, it was a good night for Kevin overall. McDonavich um, definitely clustered his contributions in terms of his three threes. That he, he only had 12 points in the game, and nine of them were within two minutes of each other. But um, took 10 threes. I like that from Bogdanovich. I like him to shoot a lot from three, get threes up, um, put pressure on the defense, had six assists as well. That's good to see him uh, doing. So it wasn't like he was, you know, played an A-plus game, but he had that one that one bazooka stretch and uh, was okay generally besides that 12 points in 32 minutes. Um, Trey Young was not his best in this game. And that's one of the good things about the Hawks um, as constructed is that, you know, 
there are times in the past where if Trey had a bad game, they were going to have a lot of trouble scoring. And in this game, Trey didn't really have it, uh, at least on his normal level, and the Hawks were still able to score at a much better than average rate. That's good to see. Um, a lot of it was that Trey was 0 of 6 from 3. He's actually 4 of 6 on 2s. He got to the line 10 times and made all 10. That is a good sign in a lot of ways. Had 11 assists, passed the ball very, very well, as he often does. But 6 turnovers, he was uh, uh, you know responsible for almost half the turnovers for the Hawks in this game. It wasn't like he was terrible. He made some really, really impressive highlight plays with, with his passing as, uh, as usual. But 18 and 11, uh, you know, it's fine. He wasn't bad. It's just uh, worth noting that he wasn't like excellent in this game by his standards, and they still won comfortably. Um, from there, we go to uh, Collins, who ends uh, the game. And obviously, Collins has been good all year, but another just rock-solid, excellent game for John Collins. It's kind of boring to talk about at this point, and I say that with a uh, sort of tongue-in-cheek, but 20 points, 11 rebounds, 2 steals, a block, an assist, 4 fouls, was plus 12. That was a game best for the Hawks in 34 minutes. 9 of 13 from the floor, 1 of 1, of one from 3. He's been, ta- he's been taking less threes. I've noticed that for sure. But other than that, you know, Collins was effective around the rim. Still not getting calls. Uh, it's been a years-long theme now of Collins not getting the benefit of the doubt from officials for whatever reason. But even with that, he played extremely well in this game. Was perfect from the floor in the third quarter as they sort of broke things open. And uh, yeah, another 2010. It was his third of the season of 20 points and 10-plus rebounds. And yeah, Collins is playing at an all-star level. Nothing new on the podcast, but that's definitely something that has to be said repeatedly is that he has been excellent this season. Um, all right, before we get out of here, and that'll do it for the wrap-up on this particular game, the Hawks now have two days off with no travel for the first time this season. You may recall that last week before the Denver game on the road in the middle of that long road trip, that was their first two-day break of the season. But even with that, they had to travel in between games or still on the road, etc., this time around, they have two full days off with no travel. Um, practice is scheduled for, for both days. We'll see if they actually do that. But regardless, um, at least uh, obviously I much need a break for the Hawks in terms of just mental stuff, physical stuff, getting healthy, etc. And then they play Charlotte on Saturday at home before they also play OKC at home on Monday. A long, a long homestand here, I should say. Um, and some practice time potentially in the next couple of days. So a nice little uh, respite. On some level, but uh, yeah, a fun little stretch here for the Hawks. They've won three games in a row. That is not going to cure all of their ills. They're still seven and nine on the season, and that's probably below where they want to be. Let's just let's just say that plainly. But they'll be favored on Saturday, barring a crazy injury. They'll be favored on Monday, same thing. So they could be nine and nine in a couple of days. That'd be very very encouraging after the slow start. And in general, this is a positive night for the Hawks at the office with everybody playing. Uh, really, I don't think anybody played poorly, which is. Um, encouraging. Certainly guys had better nights than others, but nobody I thought was notably bad. I thought Cam was really good. I thought Collins was awesome. Uh, Herter was awesome in the first half. Capella's been good. So lots of positivity, and uh, we'll leave it there for tonight's podcast. Please subscribe to the show via Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. We should be there, and I really appreciate all of the support. Leave five-star ratings, leave reviews, all that fun stuff, and we'll see you next time.